Ricky Mena is the man behind the Spider-Man suit, a suit he has worn when he visited thousands of critically ill children and their families internationally and locally from 2014 until March 2020. Inspired by a dream in which his deceased grandmother encouraged him to dress as Spider-Man to help kids, Ricky was compelled to start an organization to gain further reach and help more children. That foundation is called Heart of a Hero. 110 Degrees Magazine first met and interviewed Ricky back in August of 2015 when he supported the Family Fun Day fundraiser to benefit little Colton, who was battling neuroblastoma. Ricky supports these children in so many ways, often bringing toys, spending countless hours as a support system to the families, and sharing GoFundMe pages on his social media for those families in need. He has a huge social media following and many supporters watch his journey. Let's welcome Ricky Mena to the show. Hi, Ricky. How's it going? Good, good. Welcome to the show. I'm so thrilled to have you on. I'm happy to be here. That, that I love that intro. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I have been following your journey. I am one of your biggest supporters watching all these years. I mean, uh, following your social media posts and uh, luckily getting the chance to, you know, to publish your articles in the magazine. We did that one back in 2015. And then we did one recently in January. Right. And um, it's, uh, you really are a, uh, you're an amazing person for me, but this is not going to be the necessarily easiest conversation because we're going to talk about some heavy stuff and what you do and um, what you've, you know, been doing for many years now and, and some of the struggles that have happened. So, but first let's um, share before we start and jump into all of that. Let's yeah. let me, for those that don't know a lot about Heart of a Hero, um, just share a little bit about your journey in the beginning and what brought you to dress up as Spider-Man. Yeah. So, you know, my, the story's long, so I'll just truncate it a little bit. I, um, was going through a rough patch in life, was sleeping on a friend's couch cause they were helping me get back on my feet. And I fell asleep on that couch one night and had a dream that my grandmother who had passed away a few months before, um, came to me in that dream and, put on this like movie projector that shot in the sky. And it was this movie of Spider-Man visiting children in this like over exaggeratedly like giant room with like all these kids. And uh, he was just swinging around, making them super happy. And I just remember looking at her in the dream and uh, asking her what it had to do with me. And she said, that is you. And when you wake up, that's what you'll do. And I remember those words like, like it was yesterday or like if, if, as if it was a real memory. Um, and so like I woke up from that dream and uh, had $300 to my name. And that's, I sold a car that I had at the time and made it happen. I said, that's where I started. I bought the first suit with the intentions of just visiting a few, a few kids who are, um, you know, in the special needs community, uh, children on the spectrum and, that was going to be it. Honestly, I just wanted to put my goodness into the world, you know, do my part. And then that was not the plan that fate had for me, I guess. So, yeah, that's how it started. 
So, I mean, and there's there's so much to it, which we put articulated some of it in the first magazine that I mean, the first article we did in the magazine back in 2015 and how you got your suit. But what has transpired is you bring hope to these children, to these families. And um, and you just created this foundation. I know you have had people help you. Right yes. along the way, some some um, wonderful people that believed in what you're doing, and then you created this foundation. So, um, uh, you know, what has that? What was that like prior to COVID? Let's talk about that. Um, are you so you want to know what it was like creating it? Yeah, and going and visiting the children and and the families. Yeah, creating it was difficult because I didn't not ever think in a million years that it was going to evolve in, into what it did. And then when people started sending me money um, without me asking to visit more children, and I, I got scared because I didn't want to be in trouble with the IRS or something like that. So I thought I have to start a nonprofit. So I went to Barnes and Nobles and got nonprofit, you know, for dummies. Like, how do you start this? <laughs> and me and uh, one of my friends who helped me build this, literally, we were just drinking our Starbucks just all night, just reading this, all this material we had bought. And we started to figure it out and we built it. And then we started visiting children who are special needs on the, on the spectrum. And, um, you know, uh, and and then it kind of evolved into visiting kids that were it, it got more serious in what yeah. the kids were battling. And I think that happened because the word of mouth from parents. I mean, that's like the strongest validation that you could ever receive. Yeah. And parents were talking to other parents and then it got to parents who had children that were in the hospital. And and so they were just like, there's this guy, you know, who's visiting children and he's really good with kids and in these particular situations. And you got to you got to invite him in, you know, give, you know, give your child a chance with him and just see what happens. And so that's how it started. And then it just kept going. And we would get invited to hospitals across the country in other states. And then one day in London. And so it's always been a, mon a money raising thing like behind the scenes, because it's like for me, I'm out there visiting the kids. I'm always on the go. And then for my team in the background, it's like we got to come up with the funds to keep, you know, Ricky out there. And so that that's what it was about for a long time. And then in in 2017 is when things started to change there, because those friends that that core group that I had you know, in 2014 to 2017, they, they, they moved up and they moved to Florida. And so mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was hard because they moved there, my support system. Um, they let me rent a room in their house for really cheap. And so that's how I was keeping costs down was how I was able to, uh, to make this happen. And so, um, yeah. And when when they moved, it, it was like I, I didn't really didn't know what I was going to do. And I had someone that came out of nowhere and asked how much the rent at my entire house was because I was getting ready to move out. And, you know, it's a celebrity. Um, her name's Caroline Stanberry. And so she's like I think she was on a show called Ladies of London and out mm -hmm. there. And she just messaged me on Instagram. She wanted to go to a visit with me. She did. She wanted to see if I was legit. And yeah. She, her and someone else that was unnamed, 
uh, came up with the $18,000 to pay my rent for a whole year on the terms that I would continue being Spider-Man. And I had to, I just couldn't believe it. It was like the week that I had to leave, you know, this house. And so I was like, okay, well, okay, God, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going then. And so that's what I did. I kept going. And, um, and then it got hard, like mentally, because of kids that passed away and things like that. And then I met my wife, which was a blessing. And she's kind of, yeah, she's kind of become like the behind the scenes team pretty much. She, she does so much. It's crazy. Like I love her so much. Uh, she, she's made it possible to, for me to still be the guy that, yes, I have to take on more of like the CEO roles and like, you know, more of the logistics, but yeah. And so when 2020 hit, it was really tough because we have we have not visited any children in person since March 2020, yeah. um, and it's been all video chat. Everything wow. has been video chat, and we had to create new programs, yeah, uh, to help kids um, in different ways. And so, it's been a lot of care packages, video chats, and things like that. So it, it changed drastically, and it really has affected me. Um, yeah, because a lot of kids have passed away over video chat that I normally would have been there for and with. Um, and I've had to watch that over video. And that's 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 yeah. because, wow. you know, I want to be there, but I can't. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I know you have always gotten very close with these. Fa- I mean, I'm sure some families more than other, but like mm-hmm. I met you right off the gate with little Colton. Uh, you know, and his family at the family fundraiser fun day, and you came out and we had superheroes and it was just an amazing event. And then you continued to visit him. And unfortunately he is still battling. It's coming close to an end, but all these years you've been in contact, all these years you've been a support system and then smiling Rylan, you know, oh, just, he's such, I still look at his videos. I still, like, he still is inspiring me to this yeah. day mm-hmm. and you yeah. were a part of, um you know you even was it were a pallbearer in his mm-hmm. funeral i'm sorry i'm going to keep it together here yeah. but um you just really i mean talk about the real deal you and you really in that suit like you 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 look the part i mean you this is not you know this is a, <laughs> and that's a that's a job in itself ricky i mean you know on so many levels i've watched i i you know i've followed and then you really articulate what you're going through um very well on social media and then um it, it, and then you share what these families you know that you share these family stories and you get them to have support bigger support mm-hmm. you know and and then sometimes the the fundraise you know you're, you're able to you know share up here and there you know if there's a GoFundMe, and then it all changed with COVID as far as being able to be there, but I'm sure it's still a, a support the way you're handling things now. I mean, any support mm-hmm. is, is some type of a support. And uh, But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened with you along the way, because when you get close, you found out that you were suffering from t- PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, in a short period of time, I mean, two weeks apart, I held two children as they passed away. And so that was the first time in my journey that had that had happened um, that I, the first child in that two weeks. I mean, I, I never had held a child, uh, never been asked to. And wow. so 
you know, becoming like family with this family, you know, I was asked to, and I did not hesitate kind of like a firefighter, maybe, um, that just doesn't think about themselves, you know, until, until they're coughing later. And that's what it, you know, that's what it, um, that's what PTSD felt like for me. It was like, I ran in for these two kids. I, I did that and I was there for them for years and we were hoping they were going to make it. And so I really believed that they were. And so that was the other hard part, but yeah, they, they passed away. And then I would say probably about, um, about a month and a half after the second child had passed away and I was there for that, um, that I started experiencing some pretty extreme symptoms. And one example would be um, I was in my, the first time I ever felt anything different was I was in my barber chair and I've gone to the gym like every other time trying to just get through this grief trying to, I allowed myself to cry. So I did everything right. I talked to my friends. I did everything right. And so I was in my barber chair. He threw the little thing around me, you know, the little bib thing. And he's getting ready to cut my hair. Like I always did two every two weeks. And after the gym, and as soon as he turned on the clippers for whatever reason, I, I just went into this, I went into shock and I almost passed out. I, they told me I was turning blue. Like I was literally like having a panic attack so hardcore that and it hit me. I've never had a panic attack. And um, it just like was shutting me down. It felt like it felt like my brain was shutting me down. And I thought I was dying. <laughs> wow. um, I actually my hearing kind of left a little bit. I was passing out in the process of passing out. But I uh, tried to breathe slow and I got some water and they were helping me. And I almost didn't get through the haircut, to be honest, because I was shaking so much. I didn't know what happened. At the time, I thought it was just food, maybe. Maybe I didn't eat enough or something. So I went to Rubio's in Walnut Creek right after that, and I got in line, and someone goes, hey, you're Ricky Mena. Man, I love what you do. And they approached me while I was in line, and again, it started to happen again. And, man, for like, I want to say the first three months of since that started, it did not turn off. Every time I would talk to someone at home, every time I would – go to the grocery store or even try. Then I began just like isolating myself and because I was scared, um, yeah. I didn't know what was happening. And so that's kind of where my journey started with that. And it was so extreme to me because as you know, you know, you've seen me out there. I, I was very much a public speaker. I am, yeah. I have no fear being in front of people or whether it's a large group or a small group. And this changed me in that it changed me. And um, you know, it's, we're four years after that now, about four years, and there's still parts of me that I have not, that have not recovered, you know? Yeah. So I had to be careful and I go to a lot of therapy and things like that. COVID yeah. definitely did not add anything good to this. Yeah. So it's a tough battle. And, but like, I just, you know, I just use that. I try to use that, you know, when I can come out of a, a dark time for myself, clearing, I, I try to use that experience of what I just went through, what I am going through to reach out to people out there. And because there's so many people hurting yeah. right now, like, you know, what's really crazy. My wife told me that she, she, you know, she's here for it, for it all. And yeah. so the other day she said, it's really uh, amazing how I'll just, I'll see a news article pop up. And for example, there was, it was a while back, but there was a pastor uh, 
somewhere else in the United States. I never knew this man. I never met him. But a story came up about a pastor who had committed suicide. And it just, I read the article and I started crying like as if I knew this person and my wife like that's so amazing but why are you crying you never you didn't know him and i'm like but i knew i i feel like we were connected because of what because of this illness like yeah you know and i just wept and cried at this man's story that i didn't even know wow. um, because i could relate to a lot of what his wife said he was um going through what he said and how he was acting wow. and, and he had two kids and that same day he was at the ballpark with his two young kids playing Wow. And I, it's it's scary. It is very scary. And so I just want to help be an advocate with my experience. I always try to turn my negatives into positives for me and for others. And that's kind of like what my story has been in the last two years because of COVID. Um, I still, obviously, we still help children. Um, but, you know, I just have to take what God gives me and, and, and put it out into the world. I feel like the way that the way that it feels most effortlessly, it doesn't feel forced. Yeah. So, and this doesn't talking about this, you know, so. Yes. Well, and one of the things talking about your wife, God brought her into your life and she has been a huge supporter. Talk, share, share a little bit about you and your wife's journey and how you met and what a great support system she is to you. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for my mental illness, we would have never met because at the time I was going to a gym in Concord. And when I would walk into that gym in Concord, everyone would come up to me and talk to me because I was on the news all the time. I was in magazines and, you know, I'd come back from London and go straight to the gym, you know, and in Concord. And so everyone wanted to talk to me. So I, when I started battling mental illness, I, I could not stand anyone talking to me. So I said, you know, I had a friend of mine who said, hey, maybe try um Antioch 24, 24 hour fitness and just go there and then just put your hoodie on and, and maybe no one will talk to you. You know, it's a different gym. Just try it. So I said, okay. And I'll never forget like the first time I, well, the first time I walked in there, I, I kind of ran out 30 seconds later because I had a panic attack um, and I cried in my car. And so the second time I went in there, I tried again the next day I went in there and I began feeling those bad feelings again um, I was triggered by something and that, at that time I didn't know what it was. And so I, but I looked up and saw this, uh, this woman from across the room and she was a trainer. Uh, and I didn't know at the time she was a fitness manager, you know, she was like up there, you know, but it was, I, I knew that I looking at this woman that I, that I just, I couldn't, I can't tell you why I felt like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have her in my life. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it was a feeling that I could not shake. It took me two months to even ask her her name, you know, <laughs> so because I didn't like, I'm just was a scaredy cat because of my uh, yeah. mental illness. And yeah. so, yeah, so it took a while. And so when we finally, when we finally connected, um, man, she was just, she was so understanding, like everything I was afraid of about like possibly dating um, with mental illness, like this new thing in my life that I was trying to navigate. How am I going to bring someone else into this world? Are they really going to love me? Are they going to think I'm weird? Yeah. You know, and yeah. all these things. Cause I, I like had to stay home a lot. Um, I didn't want her to think I was the type of guy that just like was inviting a girl over to my house and didn't want to go out to, to go out in public, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, 
you know, especially because I had a lot of followers on social media. Like I didn't want her to think that, you know, yeah. um, thank God she didn't know who I was or anything. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we just really hit it off and, um, she just had, you know, she's just my, she's my best friend. She's Aww. my best friend. And if it wasn't for her, I, I just, I know this sounds, it sounds sad, but it's, it's just, you know what, there's a plan for everything, but if it wasn't for her, I would not be here. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah. Um, all the therapies that I've been trying, it's because of her. She calls. Like, she'll call. She'll investigate. She'll go on Google. She'll see, like, what is good for this, this, and this. And next thing I know, I have an appointment booked, and she's driving me there. Wow. And she's like, you know what? It's about the money. Well, look, uh, you know, she's like, I'll put it on my credit card. And I'm like, no, nah, I got to pay that. And it's so, like, we that's the only place we have a war. It's like, I'm paying for this. And she's like, no, I will. So she's just really, she's just really sweet when it comes to just being super understanding and, and uh, a best friend that, yeah. you know, and so it, it's awesome. At the same time, it's hard because like, I don't want her to ever feel like, you know, I, I sometimes I feel like a burden. And when you're battling mental illness, uh, severe mental illness, you know, and you have your bouts, it, that's normal yeah. to feel like that, you know? So if anyone's listening that that's normal, it's, um, you're not a burden. And even though I feel like that sometimes I have to take my own, my own advice, but <laughs> she's a really good person. Like she lets me know. And if I didn't have a person in my corner like her or even my family, then I, then, you know, that would be, that would be very traumatic and make everything really that much harder, you know? Well, I mean, you have such a unique life. Okay. And so she's has 100% accepted what you do. Um, she's, she's, uh, joined you also, right? So she goes out, so she's, um, dressed up. Talk about that. Yeah. So that's, what's the crazy part is I didn't know that I was going to, when I met her and we started dating and then even when we were like, listen, she's the one that was like, let's get married. She's the one that was proposing to, she proposed to me (laughs) I love it because I was too scared. I'm telling you, I thought I was too, uh, broken to, you know, to, for all that. But she was like, I, I love you, you know? And I was like, oh my God, next thing you know, I'm married. And so anyway, she, she decided that she wanted to be part of this on her own. She would come with me to the visits and she started as the person that would just pan, uh, hand gifts out. And then she asked me if she could dress up after like maybe a few months. And I said, no at first because I didn't want her to get to a place that I was yeah. mentally because when you're in the suit, you're just like, you're this close to kids. Um, you're right there. There's no escaping what you're going to take on. And so she just, she just real, she was real resilient. And she, then she got up to where she said, okay, well, can I take pictures now? So she wanted to be the one to take pictures. She got closer. And so you got to be close to take the pictures, you know, and then, the, and the next thing you know, she's showing me on the same, like the same people that make my suits that uh, their website, she was showing me suits of spider Gwen going, I mean, this is pretty cool though. And I said, you know what? The, yes. But the way that you're going to do it is that you're going to, you're going to gradually, we're not going to have you visit children who are battling cancer just right out the gates, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so that's how she started. She started with, you know, with more fun visits, you know, and yeah you know, things to work her way up. And that's what she did. And, um, and just coincidentally enough, we did not know this was going to happen, but that movie uh, into the spider verse, the animated version of the Spider-Man movie came out 
that featured her character and then it blew up. And she wow, already, yeah. Yeah, and she was already dressing up for like, I want to say six months before that happened, before yeah. we knew. And so, yeah, she, you know what? It's just so crazy. Like everything happens for a reason. I keep saying that, but there's sometimes where uh, there's little girls in the hospital that are abused by males that don't want to even have even Spider-Man around where yeah. she goes in and, you know, it works. And so we're just a good team, but she doesn't do it as much now because she became a teacher. She's going after her masters and she's a teacher out here in uh, Reno. And so, uh-huh. yes, yeah, she loves kids and she found out she wanted to be a teacher because of heart of a hero. So hmm. yeah. Well, good for her. Kendall. I mean, she's amazing. And she so is. I watched her journey and she's, I know she's on social media herself, but um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, which we talk about in this article, which this was January's issue. It is online right now. You can go to the archives. You can find it. It's on page 14 is uh, another issue that I didn't know what it was and I had never heard of it. And then I, when I, when I read what you wrote about it, I still kind of misconstrued it. So I wanted to, I really wanted to clear the air and kind of bring some attention to light on this. And, um, and you were like, yes, let's do it. So it's called misophonia, right? Mm -hmm. And that is something that you found out you had probably all your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about what that is and how it affected your life. Yeah. So the simple translation of the word misophonia is hatred, the hatred of sound. Okay. Um, and the hatred comes from being triggered by sound. And it's not all sounds. It's just real specific sounds. And every person with misophonia who lives with it um, has different trigger sounds. I mean, so um, for me, hard ones are uh, like off-road vehicles passing by the house, you know, like when the off-road vehicle pipes get through the walls and the windows and I hear them, I'm triggered and it triggers a fight or flight response. Um, so particularly for me, I when I was, you know, visiting kids and all this and then I got died because of what my work. I got diagnosed with PTSD, depression, anxiety disorder, right? Um, the It made the misophonia like 10 times worse. And it's it was like they were all just feeding each other. And so it created a world that I was not prepared for. But misophonia is such a hard um, thing to live with. They say it gets worse with, worse with time. Some people's doesn't. So... Um, but the, the average, like the normal, uh, triggers for people would be like, uh, loud chewing. So if you hear like loud chewing, um, like slurping sounds, a lot of mouth sounds are like, I guess the base where it starts for a lot of people. Um, it could be a barking dog, you know, neighbor's barking dog or something like that. And it, it, it really sucks because it usually, a lot of it is like, uh, for me, at least it sounds, sounds that are out of my control. Like, yeah. Yeah, if I don't have any control over saying, excuse me, can you please stop? You know, it's like it, it gets worse for me because um, then I feel trapped and I feel like there's no escape. Um, and then especially if it's in my home, then I feel like there's no safe place for me. And so it creates this weird, invisible prison. Yeah. So this is an invisible illness. You can't tell somebody has it. You wouldn't know. And I can imagine there's a lot of people probably out there that are undiagnosed with this right now. 
you know? Yeah. So, so a tall tale sign, like, listen, if you're listening to this and you just feel like on edge all the time, or even so what, what it does. And I, and I, and I'm not trying to give anyone the wrong idea about me or anything like that when I say this, but when, when the normal person battling misophonia, hears a trigger sound, it elicits um, like rage instantly. So I become like, instantly upset and into like a, I can get, I, I have rage. So for me, I've learned to channel it. Obviously I'm not trying to yell at somebody, yeah. but it's like, I'll get up, but I'll get up in a way that, you know, I'm upset and, yeah. and I have to remove myself, you know, from, from, uh, being around that noise, whatever it is. Um, and so like with dirt bike sounds, I have to leave the house or, um, you know, it gets tricky, but if anyone out there, you know, if you're trying to figure out, do I have that? Just Google it and just look at the symptoms. And really it's, if you just feel a lot of rage, I mean, I use that word because it's, it's, it, it's intense. It's not being annoyed by a noise. It's beyond that. It's, it's a, it's a, what happens is it's an audio processing disorder where a sound comes into your ear and your brain, for whatever reason, the way it's wired, sends it down the wrong channel and creates a fear off of it or it, be, it thinks it's a threat. Um, and so it's fight or flight mode. A lot of people, it's uh, flight. For me, it's fight. So that's why I get rage and I'm ready to just like, you know. So it, it's a tough, it's a tough one. And it was just coined in 2001. So there's a lot of research being done right now. Wow. So what do doctors say you, how, what are, how do you cope? Is there any cures? I mean, what, what is, what is out there about this? So, oh my gosh, I'm in the process right now of trying to figure that part out. Um, Cause it's really during COVID it's really, that's, this has been the, on the forefront of what I'm battling. Misophonia has been the worst because everyone else is home too more. So you got neighbors home more, or like everyone's getting their uh, stimulus checks and they bought off-road vehicles or a trampoline in the backyard or a basketball hoop. So there's like all these added sounds and, yeah. and they're more frequent. So um, I've been, so I've been to like hypnotherapy uh, it helped a little bit. I've been to, you can do cognitive behavioral therapy. It does help you learn techniques to breathe. Um, there's a misophonia Institute by a person founded by a person named Tom Dozier, who is a good friend of mine now. And he's the founder. He loves what we do at heart of a hero. And he, he helped me. Um, but he, his theory is that you, you, every person with misophonia tenses a certain muscle up or several muscles. And if you can train yourself not to tense the muscles, it breaks the chain. Oh so, yeah. But it takes a long time. And so he yeah, actually, that's a retraining of your, yeah. Yeah. So he, he actually helped me get, um, to get rid of my trigger of like loud. When we moved to Vegas, there was like loud military jets coming over he helped me get rid of that wow. trigger. So that was a good one. Um, but yeah, so I would look up him, uh, you know, Misophonia Institute with Tom Dozier. Um, right now I'm trying a neurofeedback therapy. So I just started that um, yesterday. And, and I will say this too, along with all the other mental 
you know, mental illnesses and the therapies that correspond to help those. It's so expensive. I yeah. mean, you know, I've had to have brain scans. I had to come up with $5,000 for that out of pocket. My insurance doesn't cover any of that. Um, I'm just lucky to have such a following that wants to help me. Uh, but my wife and I have come out of pocket for a lot of that. Like the neurofeedback therapy, I got a deal on it. it was, But it was still $500 just for the assess- assessment. So just don't, don't, if anyone out there is listening, don't give up, you know, keep trying. And you know what, if you raise money on GoFundMe, I don't know, talk to some, you know, hit me up. I'll help you raise money. Yeah. Because, um, again, these, these, I mean, to, to be open and, and be able to share the fact that you even have issues and then to reach out to people. I mean, those are big steps, but People do want to help, you know, I mean, that's, that's yeah. the bottom line. And we, there's nothing worse than when we feel that when it's too late, because like that pastor committed suicide, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, like there's so many people suffering from mental illness and, and they don't reach out for help and they, yeah. they and there's people to help them to, to get past that point, you know, and I think yeah. it's huge that you're open and authentic and honest about your journey with it. And you've always said, I'm, I'm transparent. I have to be, you know, like you've always yeah. said that and you've documented your journey and it's always been the unknown because it's all new to you as you're going through it and you don't know how people are going to react. Yeah. So my thing is, you know, I, I, and I'll throw this out there and this is me being even more transparent, you know, it's like, I, there was times and anyone who's listening, you know, it's not too late if you can. There's been times where I looked at my wife and I said, don't go to work today, because if you do, I think I'm not going to be here when you get back. It's just been too much. I I can't take anymore. A man can only take so much. Wow. And and she's looked at me and been like, come on, look, let's just fight through today. And if and, and, and looking in hindsight's 2020, there's been there's been those days like that where if I would have just ended everything right there, I remember like being, it being like a couple days later and I'm having the most amazing day. Right. (laughs) And I'm like on top of the world at the gym and I'm like feeling so good. Like, and I can't even believe that I, and so I I thought to myself, like, if I would have ended it there, I never would have had this moment here, you know? And, and that's so powerful to think of it. Yeah. You know, so it's just I I say all of what I say and I put it all out there. There's a lot of people, actually, Trisha, that I know it's good that I'm putting it out there. But there's a lot of people that actually stop supporting Heart of a Hero because they because they they kind of translate this as a weakness or, oh, shoot, mental illness. No, I can't. This man's mentally ill. Uh, Nope. I'm pulling my support. It's yeah. like, or some people think that it's fake and I'm doing it for, for sympathy. Um, yeah. When really, I know I'm doing it for, I'm speaking for everyone out there who is battling mental illness, but also for those who don't know what it's like, but have known me, yeah. who got to know me over the last seven years with this journey specifically, and feels like, wow, I love Ricky, so amazing. And then all of a sudden, bam. You know what? I don't know who didn't believe in it on my on my page, but there's a lot of people who are probably going, well, I I mean, he's been so real. I, I, I love Ricky so much. Like for everything he's done, I have to listen to this. It has to be real. Why would he fake? Yeah. yeah. So if that helps, 
you know, shoot, anybody else understand, um, then this have helped, you know. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I recommend anybody go follow Ricky Man, a heart of a hero, either one, right? It's yeah. and, um, um, and for me, it's always, and even following Colt's journey with Michelle Guerra, um, you know, and and Smiling Rylands, I gain so much perspective, you know, I get, and it's so not easy to watch. And sometimes it's great to watch. It's all of it. It's the yeah. whole gamut. But yeah. you have a way with them. Um, you are, you're a fighter. You're definitely a fighter. You're fighting for these kids. You're fighting mm -hmm. for their parents. You're fighting for yourself, you and your wife's journey. I mean, and, and it's, and it's a battle and, you know, and we all have our battles. Yours is on a whole different level and, um, and you share it and that's gotta be hard too, you know, but um, but I'm not kidding. It just, it just gives so much great perspective and, uh, and the people who, who think you, who, who, who see it and, and like me, 100% know you're authentic and just, I mean, I appreciate there's, that. there's just, you know, what you do. Um, it's it, to me, it's like, it gives me hope, it gives me hope, <laughs> you know, it does. It really does. And I'm like, well, somebody's got to do this. So here, here, yeah. Ricky, you know, let me help because yeah. let me just support you because I, you know, I'm not going to go out and do it, but I'm here to support those that do and to learn from them and, sh and share it with other people. And that's, you know, and that, and even sharing the talking about the, the PTSD, the mental illness, all of it. That was really why we came in again. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, you've you've been a, a local hero here in our town of East Contra Costa County. You moved to Vegas. Now you're in Reno, but you are still able to touch lives. You know, again, we're, we're all on Zoom um, in a lot yeah. of different ways. And we're and so many people are following on social media and all that good stuff. So I appreciate all that you do. And um, what would you say to anybody who is suffering from whether whether it's from a mental illness or even if it's um a family who's battling i mean i know um they can reach out to you um if they have a child battling um something right now you know detrimental share with let everybody know what what um how they can um you know what heart of a hero is there to help with yeah, so right now because of COVID, obviously I, I'm not going to be there in person just yet because we're following we're following uh, the medical protocols in the hospital. Um, the, the hospitals are watching everything I'm doing, and if they see me do something reckless, then it's then it doesn't they might not have me back. So that's another level to it. But right now you can um, message Heart of a Hero on Facebook or Instagram with a private message um, or an email. You can go to heartofahero.org and find that email. Um, and just message us with what's going on and we can help by sending a care package of, you know, maybe things you need, or maybe it's just simply toys for the child in question, or um, you want to set up a video chat and it doesn't have to be, I'm at a point right now in my journey too, where a lot of people are asking me for videos, not just with Spider-Man, but they want to talk to me and they want their teenager to talk to me just to you know, who's, who are, who's going through something. And I'm willing to do that as myself too. And obviously I'm not a, a licensed therapist or a counselor. Um, 
yet. I, I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to announce on Facebook that I'm going to go to school for my master's and get that. I'm going to I'm going to get that so I could do this in my old age. But, <laughs> but I want. Uh, but yeah, you can just go to any of those pages. Just message us. Tell me your story. Um whatever you're willing to share, I'll reach back or, or Kendall will reach back and we'll just go from there and we'll figure out everybody needs help in different ways. Some people need help with funds, um, you know, and for different reasons, bills, you get to pay your rent, whatever it is. I don't, I don't care. I'll help you with that. I'll, you, I'll utilize my following to put a GoFundMe out there if that's what it calls for, or just a video chat or all of it. I, I don't know, but we'll figure it out because everyone's unique and different and everyone's situation is as well. So they can do that. Just hit us up. Well, that is so awesome, Ricky. And I'm just going to tell everybody, go follow Ricky and, and support him and support those he requests you to support as well along the way, because I know you do all the research, you know, what's going on. You're talking with these families and, um, and you just do this amazing job and, and, I'm so thankful. Tell tell Kendall. He's amazing. And I'm so thankful that you're able to do what you do. And I want that to continue any way, shape, and form. Um, you know, I'm here to support you. Anytime the magazine can step in and do anything, you let us know. Um, what would you well, is there anything about in the well, I guess that was the announcement in the future that you plan to 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 uh, I want to say what's what's in the future for Heart of a Hero, but it sounds like like really um, taking this to a whole nother level. You're still, you know, as far as helping even more people. Yeah. I think the last seven years I've gotten all the experience that someone who went to school and maybe is coming out now would like wish and pray they could get right. Yes. On such a unique level <laughs> that if I can go, if I can just, I, I only have a high school diploma. I don't like school. And I'm just saying that, but um I have to be honest, but like, I'm going to get through the, I, I've decided and my wife, we've decided that it would be, it would be, how amazing would it be if I could come out uh, six years from now with a master's in child counseling, start my own practice and just help children and families on a whole nother professional level, but at the same time oversee and become a member of the board of Heart of a Hero and kind of build a program based on my education and experience that can, we can build this heart of a hero thing. So when, so when I'm an old man, that the people that are dressing in the Spider-Man suits and Spider-Gwen suits and Batman suits, when I'm just in, in a walker, that you know that they are they have been through the ringer. They have gone through everything they have to go through to, before they have stepped foot in front of your child and it's safe. It's going to be so beneficial. It's a professional person in a suit that is going to just be not just as amazing as I was when I first started. Mm. And I want that to happen with all my heart. So I got to put in the work now to do it. So that's, that's what I have to do. Um, I don't want to go to school, but I'm going to do it. So, <laughs> well, I think they should give you just an honorary degree. Are you kidding me? No, I don't <laughs> care who went to school. Nobody has the firsthand knowledge an experience that you do, but I get it. I mean, you know, do what you got to do, but you, to me, you're already legit. 100% amazing. Yeah. Thank you for all that you do. And, and it was wonderful. It was a pleasure and an honor to chat with you today. Thank you and, so much. Um, and keep doing what you're doing and go on and follow Ricky and I'll be watching you all along the way. So. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you, Ricky. All right. Bye. Bye.
Mafe Management is a company dedicated to empowering individuals and businesses in entertainment, special events, talent management, content creation, digital and traditional marketing, and public relations in working together to turn their dreams into reality. Get one step closer to elevating yourself and your business by contacting hello at mafemanagement.com. Let us empower you. Now let's get back to the show. 